booklet. We'll have all of the scriptures and all of uh, the notes on our screens. So let's just thank God for, for what we've been able to receive through the sermon series and that God will speak to us in a, in a way that's applicable to our lives. Lord, we thank you for how good you are. Lord, we just thank you that, God, it is. It's about you. Lord, God, uh, us meeting together is about meeting with you today. And, Lord, we thank you that we can experience you and, and touch you and worship. And, Lord, we thank you that you touch us through your word. So, Father, would you speak through your word today in a powerful way that would challenge and encourage us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Uh, if, you're, if you're just getting, uh, if you're new to our sermon series, which is at the end of our sermon series, this sermon series is called Famous Nameless because what we've been doing is we've been talking about people throughout the New Testament who are famous, but yet we don't know any of their names. So they're, we know their accounts. Uh, we've, heard of, we've, we've heard about them preached by numerous people. Maybe you've, you've learned about them in uh, Sunday school while you were a kid. But yet their name is not written for us to know. So God wants to raise up men and women who will do great exploits, but yet they don't need to have a, a title or need to get uh, their face plastered all over the Internet for people to see. That's why God says, he says, whatever you do, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And so we want to be men and women who, who function like that, that we would have great faith, that we would do great exploits, but yet we don't need the great pat on the back. Okay? So uh, this week, we're going to learn a little bit about one of my famous, uh, my, one of my famous, one of my favorite <laughs> famous people uh, that we know about, and that is the centurion. And his, his account is found in, in Luke chapter 7. But today we're going to read uh, his account, which is found in Matthew chapter 8. So if you've got your Bibles, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, or you can follow right along on the screen with us. I'm going to go ahead and uh, start in verse 5. And we're going to read a few verses here. It says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, uh, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a, myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, Go, and he goes. I tell this one, Come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west and will take their places in the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you have believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. So we have this incredible account, and in, in uh, uh, a few other translations, uh, this just said that Jesus was amazed. Uh, in the old NIV, it says that Jesus uh, was astonished or perhaps in your translation, it said, Jesus marveled. So, so this faith of this man captured Jesus' attention. 
And so that is a powerful, powerful statement when you capture God's attention like that. So we're going to read about a few. There's a few qualities of this uh, man's faith that we want to mark. And the first quality that we want to mark is humility. Okay? Humility. He saw the greatness of Jesus surpassing his own. To the fact of his own uh, accommodations were unfit to host the presence of Jesus or the presence of God. He would say, my accommodations are unfit to host your presence. That's humility. Okay? And friends, this is a striking characteristic for a man of war. For a man of war to walk in this type of humility, that's a striking characteristic. Because for the most part, if you're a man of war, you don't walk in humility. Okay? You, I mean, you, you've killed, you're, you're, you're aggressive, and, and yet this centurion would have this characteristic of humility about him that was something that, that uh, ignited the faith that he had. Friends, we have to realize that our present condition is unfit to host the presence of God if we are not sanctified or if we are not holy or set apart. Let me say that again. We have to realize okay, that our present condition is unfit to host the presence of God if we're not sanctified, if we're not holy. What does that mean? If we're not set apart. Okay, God can't, he can't draw near to us if we're not set apart, if we're not sanctified, if we're not holy. We can't host his presence. Okay? It says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Okay? So if our heart is filled with darkness, then, then how can we have God fill us? Not only that, friends, he had, a hum- he had a love and affection for his servant. He had an affection for his servant. He had a love for a servant. There's a little uh, bit of information, a little fun little detail that, that Luke gives an account. In chapter 7, verse 4 and 5, I just want to read this. It's just a, a little extra detail that Luke uh, catches. And this is what it says. It says, when they came to Jesus, they replied earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So not only has this guy have this earnestness towards his servants. Now, mind you, this is back in the day when a servant was considered like a slave. So he is so he has this heart and this passion for his servant that would be uh, from from an exterior standpoint, look as a slave. Moreover, this guy uh, he, it says that he loved the nation of Israel. He loves our nation and he built our synagogue. So this guy not only had a love and affection for his servants, but friends, he was a builder of the kingdom of God. He was a builder of the kingdom of God. He built the synagogue. What is that? Man, this putting his hand to the plow. He was a builder of the kingdom of God. Not only was he a man of authority, another character, a quality or characteristic that we need uh, to, to understand is that he, this man, he understands authority. He understands authority. In verse 9, he said that he was under authority and that when he speaks, things happen. He said, I speak and it happens. I say go and they go. I say come and they come. I speak, it happens. Why? Because I'm a man under authority and I have subjects under me. So he understood authority. And in verse 9, he, he explains all that. I say do this, they do that. I say go, they go. 
And so this guy understood authority, and he knew that Jesus, all he had to do was speak with his authority, just like he would speak to a servant and say, go, that Jesus could speak to that disease and it would go. That's why I said, only speak the word. For I tell them to go, all you have to do is tell it to go. And it will go. Not only was he a person who understood authority and he was a man of authority, but friends, another striking characteristic was that his faith marveled the Lord. There's only a few accounts when people catch God by surprise. Few accounts. If you can catch God by surprise, you've done a pretty marvelous feat. Right? Okay. Not, not uh, quite as, as close as it, but I'll tell you what. If I, can, if I can keep something from my wife, then I've done a pretty marvelous feat. Okay? I mean, I mean she just knows what's going on all the time. Okay? And so if I, if I can keep a secret from her, it's a pretty marvelous feat. So if you can keep a secret, if you can, if you can marvel the Lord, friends, uh, you know you're good when you can catch God su- by surprise. And this is, the most, this, is, this is the most awesome thing. In verse 10, how many of us know that, that Jesus' disciples were with him? So you have Jesus, you have all 12, you have more than the 12, you have all the other ones that are following. In one, in one uh, case it said Jesus sent out the 70. So let's just say, for instance, he has 70 disciples that are following him around. And then he would look over at this, at this, this centurion, this Roman Gentile, and he would say to him, no greater faith have I found in all of Israel. You might be Peter in the rock, you might be John, you might be the sons of thunder, you might be my beloved, but I've never, I haven't found any faith as great as this man over here. <laughs> Come on now. How many of us know that J- Jesus j- doesn't just, he doesn't just speak fluff? No. His faith marveled Jesus. He said, no greater faith had I found in all Israel. And this man wasn't even an Israelite. He wasn't even a Hebrew. He was a Gentile. He was a centurion. He was a man of war. He was one of the ones that crucified Jesus. The ones that, that, that the Jews hated. Be like the police. If you're in the, if you're in the hood and you, uh, you hate the police. Why? Because you're, living, cause you're, cause you're, ro- you're rolling dirty. You're living dirty. And so, the man, when the man shows up, what do you do? You hide, you run, right? And so, in the same way, in that time, that's what the centurion soldiers were. They were like police officers, like military police, okay? So, they kept, the, they kept order. Moreover, they probably, I'm sure that they did all kinds of wicked things uh, to, to, to the Jewish people because they were their subjects. I'm sure that there was probably raping and all kinds of other stuff. So, so Jesus would look at this man that they probably normally would look at with this, like, ugh, and say, this man has, no, has the greatest faith in all of Israel. How would you like to sit with Jesus and have Jesus just blow your worldview every single day? Because that's what he's doing here. How would you like to sit with Jesus and have him just blow your worldview? He's like, look, you look at these guys, and you, and you look at these guys with disgust, and yeah, and, they, and they're, they're sinners, but yet this guy has the greatest faith in all of Israel. It's pretty powerful. And this Roman soldier, what did he do? He said, just say the word. Just speak it. It will be. Just say it, God. Just speak it. Just say it. It will be. This reminds me of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, where it said, God said, let there be light in what? Light was. Okay, I don't know if this man knew uh, 
the connection of Jesus and God and knew that he was the Messiah and knew Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3 that all God did was spoke. He spoke the word and it became and it was created. I don't know if he was doing that, but I know this sounds a lot like that. That all he's saying is all you have to do is speak and it will be. All you have to do is say it and it is. It's almost like the centurion was saying, Master, just speak the word because your words formed the world. All you have to do is speak because your word forms galaxies. All you have to do is speak. My servant will be healed. That's all you got to do. You don't, you don't have to, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a humble man. I've got all this stuff and I'm doing this. You know what? You don't even have to bother with me. You don't even have to come to my house. I know the authority and the power that you have. I know that you said that I am the I am. All you have to do is speak it. Because if you're the God of the Old Testament, if you're the God who said light and it was, all you have to do is say healed and he'll be. Just say the word. Just speak it. Say the word. The I am speaks and what? Life is created. Do you know that? When the I am speaks, life is created. How do we know this? John chapter 1 and verse 1 through 4. It says, Him the Word. talks about God and the Word. It says, what? The Word was with God and the Word was God. If you got your Bibles, turn your Bibles. Jumping ahead of myself. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. I don't think I put it up there. I want to read these verses. We've got to read verse 1 through, one through 4 here real quick. John chapter 1, this is what it says. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. Okay? Verse 3 says, through him all things were made. So in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Through him all things were made, all things were created, or all things came into being. So it's, it's, it's like this, friends, all I need is one word from the Master. Because through him all things are created, all things come into being because of the Word. So the Word just needs to speak and it will be. Are you getting this? It's like he's saying, just say it. You've heard the phrase, Nike, just do it. The centurion started a new phrase, just say it. Just say the word. Just say it. You don't need to do anything. You just say it. Just say it. Say it and it will be. Just God, just say it. All you got to do is speak. How do we know this? We've seen this happen. We've seen this happen before. We've seen this happen in Luke. We've seen this happen with Lazarus. We've seen where, where he said, roll the, roll the stone away, and what did he do? Did he walk in there and lay his hands on the dead person, and the person came up? No. What did he do? He spoke. He said, Lazarus, come forth. He spoke, and what happened? Life came up. Life was created. Life came, and it was. He spoke. He said, Lazarus. Some, some scholars and, and commentators say that he had to specifically, because the power that emanated and radiated from Jesus, who was the I Am, he had to specifically target that person. Because if he would have just said, come forth, every dead person would have came up out of the ground. So he had to specifically choose and say, Lazarus, for my glory, it's only for you, son. Come forth. 
The power of the resurrection, the Bible says that when Jesus, when he resurrected from the dead, it said that many, uh, many wise people, many people of old, they came around and they came to life. And they gave an account. The word being spoke. Romans chapter 4, verse 17, says this. It says, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. So what did he say? There was no such thing as light. There was no such thing as, as, as water. There was no such thing as air. He said, light! And then it was. He said, worlds! And they were. He said, water! And it was. He said, birds! And they were. <laughs> Bird. Bird. <laughs> God who gives life, I like what it says in the old NIV. It says he calls things that are not as though they were. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it's talking about the word of God. It says the word of God is what? Living and active. Say living, living. and active. Why? Because when God speaks, it is alive. God said, He said what? He spoke and it came alive. He breathed into man's nostrils. He said, life, boom, came alive. When God speaks, things come alive. So God's word is living and active. Why? Because God spoke to man and we became scribes. And what did we do? We took his word and we put it into written form. So what happens when you read his word? Because when he speaks, it comes alive. When you open this up, it comes alive. Because it's living and active. Because it still has authority. It's just in written form. It's the same tangible God who spoke and it was. He speaks and it happens. It's in written form. The Word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. Penetrates even to divide soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. It's the discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So God speaks. And it comes alive. This is the most critical part of this, though. Not only is it God's word that gives life, our words give life as well. We're going to turn this around here for a minute. It's our words that bring life. How do I know this? Let's go back to the word. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, it says, The tongue has what? The power, say power, power, of what? Life and death. The tongue has the power to speak life or to cause death. Just as God spoke and it was, so it is with us. When we speak, it happens. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, he said, I created man in my image. He created us in His likeness. He gave us the ability to speak and to talk, to do the very thing that He does. And then in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19, He says, I will give you the keys of the, kingdoms of, the, keys of, the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. What is He saying here? How do you bind things and how do you lose things? 
with your words. You bind them with your words. And this is what's so powerful. Jesus has this, this I mean, this is, this is just, this is astonishing. He says, whatever you bind here on earth, you speak it. It will be bound in heaven. Are you seeing the authority in your words? And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's power. You have in your tongue power of life and death. Power. And then Jesus tops it off in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 and 19. And he said, this is what he said, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you see that? It's what? It's continuing. Therefore, go. He's continuing what he's saying. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go. It's been given to me. I give it to you. I give you the authority. I give you the authority to speak things. To cause things that are not as though they were. We have, there's an Old Testament equivalent of this found in Ezekiel chapter 37. And there's 10 verses here I want to read. It's a pretty powerful story of Ezekiel. May we receive this revelation. We're going to read 10 verses here. Okay, this is Ezekiel speaking. He says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. Say, full of bones. Full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Say, dry bones. Come on, dry bones. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? What is he doing? He's probing Ezekiel for faith. Can these, can these bones live? <laughs> Smart man Ezekiel. I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Because <laughs> what if he said yes? Yeah, they can live. He said, well, then make them live. What if he said, no, I, how can these things come back alive? He would have said, what? You have little faith. Smart man. <laughs> Lord, only you know. Smart guy. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Come on. South Toledo, hear the word of the Lord. Come on. My immediate family, hear the word of the Lord. Come on. My children, hear the word of the Lord. My marriage, hear the word of the Lord. Come on. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon them and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied. Say prophesied. As I was commanded, he followed the, the word of the Lord. Awesome. And I was, as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. How many of us know that he didn't see it happen until he started speaking it out? If you want things to happen in your life, you need to start declaring those things. You start prophesying over yourself, you're declaring that over yourself. 
I'm going to be stuck in the hood all my life. Well, you can go ahead and do that if you want. I'm not going to better myself. This is as far as I can go. I don't deserve any better. Whatever, whatever it is that we prophesy over ourselves. Say prophesy. Come on. That's right. Come on, old school. The devil is a liar. As I was prophesying, the, uh, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and bone came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, so he saw, he saw the fruition, he saw, he saw the creation of his words bringing these, these, uh, uh, these bones into flesh and tendon and turning them into what? The appearance of a man or many men like soldiers. But yet there's no breath in them. So friends, sometimes we'll begin to see things begin to form, but yet we got to continue speaking forward and speaking forth. It wasn't done. It wasn't over. He started to see the fruition of it. But then he had to keep speaking. And this is what he said. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breath into these slain that they may live. Isn't it amazing that God's given him the exact words to say? Sounds like the word of God to me. He says, don't worry about what you'll say, for I will give you the words to say. So I prophesied, and he commanded them. Breath entered them, and they came to life and stood there to their feet, a vast army. Just say it. All you got to do is speak it. Life is going to come forth. It's going to be birthed. Friends, we have this powerful, life-giving, uh, uh, speaking God, and he has given us the ability to speak life as well. Friends, with this incredible power, there is responsibility. Say, with great power comes great responsibility. Now go ahead and shoot a few web flings at me like, pss, pss, pss. No, I'll do all that. Not only is there a, okay, with great power comes a great warning. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36 through 37. This is why we got to understand the power of words. This is why we got to understand the authority that, that God has when he speaks things, they come to life. And friends, that we have the power of life and death in our own tongue and we got to be very careful with the words that we speak the words that we say because of this warning that's found in Matthew chapter 12 it says but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty or in another translation says every careless word they have spoken for by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned Because he's given you such authority in your words. You can use a word and like Jesus, you can see the unfruitful tree and you can curse it and say, may you wither up and die. And it happened. But you do that to people's lives. We're going to be judged for every careless work. So, so, so when, the next time you think you have to speak, Maybe you should think, am I going to stand before God and give an account for what I'm about to say? Is it worth it? But I just got to say it. No, you don't have to just say it. You want to say it. 
I just got to. Do you? Do you? It's amazing to me to see how many people can have self-control. Like, for instance, okay? Like, what would happen, like, if you're, if you're having an, an intense moment of fellowship? Okay, you're having a, you're having a, a, a loud uh, dialogue with your significant other. And then the phone rings, and you're, bring, 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 hello? What did you just do? You just proved that you have self-control and that you can shut your mouth if you really wanted to. My seven-year-old son, okay, he had this little thing where I don't, I don't remember exactly why he was throwing a, a, a little bit of a, a, a seven-year-old temper tantrum, but he was. And in the middle of him doing his little cry, he stopped and he, he had some words to say. He like completely stopped. He like talked a few words and then he went back to crying again. I said, wait, hold on. Hold on. Wait. Stop this right now. This is ridiculous. He was like, eh, ma, 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 eh. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, stop. No, 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 no. Right here, you just proved. No, there's self-control right inside you. It's there. We got to stop this right now. It has to stop. Friends, we have that. What, when, we, when we allow the fruit of the Spirit to develop in our lives, what's at the beginning of the tree? Love. What's at the end of the tree? Self-control. Friends, get both of those. You'll get the, all the rest in the middle. When we can have love and self-control. Friends, when we can have power, what does it say? That's why uh, James gives us such a strong warning about what? That the, that the tongue is a world of evil. It's set on, on fire by hell itself. Because with it, we can do both one of two things. We can praise God and we can curse men. And that's what he says. He says it in James chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. It says, with a tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Ouch. Dang. <laughs> Just go ahead and look at the person next to you and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry for that fight on the way to church today. <laughs> so sorry. I'm sorry when I couldn't, couldn't find my toothbrush and I took it out on you today. Or whatever. <laughs> out of the, the same mouth come both praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Friends, just as Jesus had a two-edged sword that came out of his mouth in Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, because why is it two-edged? Because he, would, he could use his words to what? To heal, to save, to deliver, to set free, to speak life. But yet in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 15, he's using it to what? To slay the devil. So is our, word, so is our mouth, so is our tongue a two-edged sword. We can use it and we can praise God. We can come together, we can get our boogie on, we can love on Jesus. We can sing these, these beautiful, incredible songs about how glorious he is. And then on our way home, we can go ahead and, and, and cuss our, our spouse out. Right. You kiss your mother with that mouth. That's some old school. They need to come back. Friends, we need to understand and believe the power of God's Word. Let me say this again. We need to understand and believe the power of His Word. Friends, knowing that we are created like Him with power in our words, 
And we can use the power that He's given us to build people up and bless. Or we can use it to destroy and make a mess. We can use the power to build up and bless. Or we can use the power of our words to destroy and make a mess. Friends, are we using the power and authority God has given us and the fullness of that to build people up? Or are we using it to tear people down? I'm going to end it by taking us back to the very first character quality of the man that we learned about, the centurion man. And his very first character quality that he carried even though he was a man of war, even though he was a man of authority, under authority, he had servants under him, and he, and he had to submit to authority. He was a man of humility. Friends, we live in a day and age where humility isn't a, a grace that, 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 we, that we seem to want nowadays, but it's something that, friends, that we need to be tempered with. And the thing about humility, and I'm going to teach this until I learn otherwise, humility is not a gift of the Spirit. It is not a fruit of the Spirit. Humility is something that we clothe ourselves with, like it says in, in Peter chapter 5. It says, therefore in, God, in view of God's mercies, and all, or, or, uh, uh, or uh, uh, God opposes the proud, He gives grace to the humble, all that stuff. And it says, clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourself. So it's something that we have to put on. So we have to choose to walk in humility. It's not something that, that spiritually somebody lays hands on you and you get it. No, it's by you, as, the, as, as it says in Romans, uh, looking uh, uh, at yourself that you're not better than others. Do not kid, consider yourself better than others. That we would do what? That we would consider others better than ourselves. That we would walk in the humility of Jesus who what? Uh, he took on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Took on the nature of a servant. My old pastor used to say this. It's an it's a old saying. I haven't heard it in a long time, but I'm going to say it to you. You, had, you. Do you know how you know you have a servant's heart? When someone treats you like one. Can you suck it up and shut your mouth? Or do you got to tell them about themselves? I'm going to just tell them about my, themselves. Are you, are you, then then are, you really, are you really engaging and using the power and the authority that God has given you in your spoken word to, to build people up? Hey, you know what, perhaps, uh, you, you know, um, sometimes, sometimes we really see what we're made of and we really see how mature we are when we're put in a place where we're pressed. If we can learn to close our mouth and bite our tongue, then friend, we'll realize that we can walk in humility and that we can walk in maturity. If we got to gotta spout out every time something doesn't go our way or somebody has to say something about us, then really, to be honest, then, then, then our faith is kind of shallow. Because if Jesus can be spat on, if Jesus, and he says, and you'll be hated because of, of, of your affiliation with me, if we can have our brothers and sisters in over countries getting beat and whipped, we Americans, we need to get ourselves right. <laughs> Could you stand your feet with me? If you have a hard time this, this morning just kind of thinking about this, if you can look at yourself, can you, 
When we self-evaluate ourselves, sometimes we come to church and we're like, man, so-and-so needed to hear this word today. <laughs> I wish they were here. I'm going to make sure they hear it on the, on the website this week. I'm going to email it to them. I'm going to forward it to them. Facebook, post it on their page. But can we self-evaluate? Can we look at ourselves and say, man, I have a hard time shutting my mouth. I have a hard time taming my tongue. I know I use my tongue to sometimes beat up the people that are closest to me. And when I really look at that, man, it's selfishness. It's just selfishness. My pride was hurt. I want to be able to use the authority and the power of my word to speak life and not death. I want to have great faith. I want to believe God's word for what it says. I want to be a person that walks in the authority that he has for me. That I can call things that are not as though they are. That I can be like Ezekiel. And instead of using my words to, to tear people down, I'm going to prophesy to my city. I'm going to prophesy to my family. I'm going to prophesy to this generation. I'm going to prophesy to my church. Dry bones. Be filled with life. Spring forth. Become a great, vast army before the Lord of, of lords. Before the Lord of hosts. We need army. We need God's army to rise up. If you're in here today and you know you need you need grace, <laughs> would you come before the Lord today? Would you come up to the altar and just say, God, I need grace. I need to walk in this. I want to be a person that monitors what comes out of my mouth. I want to be able to mute myself before I say things that I'm going to have to give an account for. And I know I have it in me. I want to be proactive about it. Father, we just thank you. You've taken the bold step to come up here this morning. We're going to have some of our leaders pray with you today. We're going to believe with you by faith that God is going to give you the strength, the courage, the humility, the grace. Bite your tongue when it's necessary. And when you see that someone needs to be uplifted and encouraged, that you have the boldness and the courage to speak life to them. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that your word speaks life to us. God, your word makes us come alive. Father, it breathes fresh life on us. It's living, it's active. Father, and even this morning, what you're doing, Father, you're cutting away, Father, the things that God, the selfish nature of our lives, God, you're cutting away the the, the the pride, the, the flesh, the selfishness. Because, God, you want us to be men and women, Father, who walk uprightly and that have, Father, that are blameless in what they say. God, we want to be men and women that are blameless with the words that we say. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we commit, we commit our speech to you, God. We commit our mouths to you. God, we commit our words to you. And we say, God, let our words be your words. Let our, let our tongue speak what you want us to say. 
Give us the grace to tame our tongue. Father, in which your word says in the book of James that if that can happen, we can be a perfect man, a perfect woman. Jesus. We're going to have some of our leaders come around and pray with you today. And I just want to encourage you today, friends. God has given us this incredible, incredible, powerful gift called words. And would you take those words today, would you encourage somebody today? Would you take your words to build someone up this, this, this Sunday morning? speak a blessing over you today before you go. You're slipping on out. And then if you if you got to be dismissed, you can. If you would love for us to join and pray with you about anything, we would love to do that. If you're a first-time guest, please greet Pastor Joy in the back. She would love to greet you. I'm going to speak a blessing over you today. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3. can just receive this blessing today. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. May the Lord bless you, may He keep you, May his face shine upon you, and may he be gracious unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Friends, God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll see you next week.